Hello everyone, I hope you're doing well. This podcast episode features a person who attended Chamberlain International School. This was the first interview I conducted, so you may notice that the questions are in a different order than they may be in other episodes. This is because I was still getting into the groove. Um, No matter how much you prepare on paper for interviews, the real thing is complicated. Regardless, I think this person did a great job at giving clear insight into what being at this particular program was like. We discuss how the baseline of being at a therapeutic boarding school is helpful for this person in completing schoolwork, but that other than that, it was not a good experience for them. We also talk about the downside of education in programs like this, the vetting process of working at Chamberlain, and so much more. I want to give a content warning. Please be advised that in this episode, we talk extensively about grooming and gaslighting. But without further ado, please join me as I dig deeper into the truth about therapeutic boarding schools. From what ages did you go to a therapeutic boarding school? I believe I was 17 to 19. Okay. Do you feel that your experience in your program helped you emotionally? And if you feel comfortable, what was your boarding school's name? Oh, yes. I attended Chamberlain International Boarding School. Um, and do I feel that my experience in the program helped me emotionally? I think overall, yes. Um, but in a sort of learn from things that happen to you kind of way, which isn't necessarily very productive. Your experiences at the boarding school helped you grow as a person. Is that what you're saying? Yes, not in a good way necessarily. Um, so a lot of the, the main issue I was having was getting to school, you know, staying there and doing the work. So being in a boarding school where you live on the property and don't have to deal with the the mental argument of am I going to go to school today was very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, being in an environment also where you go home with a bunch of other people also doing the same homework as you, doing the same work as you, in a in a sort of normalized environment where it's like, yeah, we will go home and we will work all together now was also beneficial. But I was also um groomed for a good chunk of my time there by um, one of the the teachers there that led to some long-term trauma. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, What were some of the most helpful things that your boarding school did? Um, You know, you said that you were able to get to school, which is what you were looking for, but were there any like programs in particular, like therapeutic programs or, um, you know, individual therapy, et cetera, that was helpful? I think the baseline of being there was the most helpful part for me. Um, I only recently remembered that there were group therapy sessions. (laughs) There were group therapy sessions that um, were a joke. Mm -hmm. I I have no memory of what they did or what they were worth. It was essentially like a gossip session for an hour with a therapist of your choice, or alternatively, you just watched a movie for an hour with a therapist of their choosing. Was it like a documentary movie or just like movies for fun? No, just just random movies. Okay. Interesting. Were there any staff like therapists or house staff in particular that helped you and what techniques did they employ other than watching movies? I had for the first I'm not sure off the top of my head how long it was. The first therapist I had when I was um brought into the program was very good. She was very open and understanding to a lot of the things I was going through. Um And she, I think when you are going through something as delicate as having a situation with 
a teacher being a certain way with you. I think in a lot of contexts, especially in a therapeutic boarding school type context with, you know, it might not be someone's first choice to assume that the way that the student is perceiving things is correct. Mm -hmm. However, she was very, very open to hearing, you know, how I felt about what was happening and what was going on and didn't make me feel like I was just making everything up. I think that was beneficial for sure. Well, that's good to hear. Um, But you said that that was your first therapist. Did you have other therapists? I did. She left after maybe a year or so. Um, I moved on to another therapist who I, I, (laughs) I don't really remember too much. But from what I do remember, I think she was also pretty decent about it. I think I didn't talk to her much about it. And then the third one, I didn't talk to at all about um, some of the main stuff I was dealing with. Um, him and I kind of just talked about like music and movies and other random things. And then the last therapist I had, when I spoke to her about some of the situations I was being put in by this other teacher, she was very much just like, oh, uh-huh, sure. Quite disheartening. Yeah. So you had four therapists altogether? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, and so you had a mixture of um, helpful and not helpful, it sounds like. Yeah, I feel like I did get a, a very good broad gaze of the type of therapy that Chamberlain specifically had to offer. Mm-hmm. And can you and I, explain that? Like what kind of therapy they had to offer? I think it was pretty 50-50 in terms of, I guess just in terms of what I'm looking for in a therapist, which I, I think that's pretty decent. Different kids get along with different people, so it's good that there's a variety. Were there extracurricular programs that you were a part of? There were. Um, so in the summer, there were different ones than during the school year. Um, in the summer, I was a part of, I think it was called Tourism, where we essentially, so each they all kind of had a budget or they didn't have a budget. Tourism had a gas budget. So essentially, they just drove us around all day and we'd look at things, go to parks, you know, go to beaches with free entry, you know, museums with free entry. I mean, most of the day was spent in the van. Uh, they took us around in vans. Um, and I was also part of an outdoor adventure club, which on the flip side had a very big budget where we would do things like biking and hiking and, you know, rock climbing and all types of other fun stuff. And I had a good time doing those for sure. I wouldn't necessarily call it therapeutic or academic, but it was certainly, it was like camp. It sounds like you had some experiences to just be a high schooler. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. However, during the school year, we were part of a a band class and it wasn't, it wasn't like a brass instrument type band, marching band. It was a, a fun rock band kind of thing in which I had to spend more time with that same teacher that was causing the, the main issues I was working through. So I was with him um, um, like for a good chunk of the time I was there every hour of every day. And you said that staff were aware of this, correct? Yes. He was kind of known for being a little bit more he would give a little more attention to certain students. He would um, joke and banter in a way that could be misconstrued to a handful of students in ways that I had observed before having any exposure to it myself. However, um, as time went on, it was very, you know, I liked him as a teacher. I liked him as a person. So I interacted with him and he kind of ended up zeroing in on me with a lot of that. Um, and I, of course, as a as a teenager that 
has mental health issues, enjoyed the extra attention, enjoyed the the feeling special that comes with that comes with like being chosen by someone in a position of power. It sort of grew in intensity. You know, there was nothing physical that ever happened like seriously. However, there are plenty of times I was I was essentially keeping track of it in a journal daily because the amount of stuff that was occurring was concerning and like weird. There were times where I remember in a therapeutic setting, I was like in a like out of the classroom having kind of a breakdown and he was like holding my arms while I was crying. There were scenes, he would describe scenes in books using me as an example, kind of putting his hands on me. There was a time where he put his arm around my throat to demonstrate a scene in a in a sort of choking manner or would like touch my face again to under the guise of describing a scene. Um, there were times where you know, he held out a book for me to read a paragraph and our and our hands would intertwine underneath the book. Um, and then there was always comments here and there about, I don't know, just random stuff. We did the instrument stuff. He, um, I was, was playing a guitar and he'd come up right behind me and play the guitar that was on my body, like from behind, told me that he thought I looked good when I used his instruments, certain things like this. And it, you know, it got to a point where I was like, I'm not sure what's happening. I want clarification on what's happening. So I had even taken him aside and been like, I'm not sure what your intention is here because it's weird and kind of freaking me out. And him as a trusted person in my life, point blank told me that I was imagining it. And as you might, as you might guess, um, that kind of broke my brain a little bit because he was one of the people that I was going to with a lot of you know, personal issues to begin with anyways. So for him to look me in the face and tell me that what I was seeing from the person I was seeing it from wasn't happened, sent me into a spiral that lasted a handful of months where I was um, nearly constantly dissociated and questioning my reality. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that I mentioned that still has an effect on me to this day. Like even I have trouble believing my own perception of most things even like enough that it's gotten in the way of my career. Like my boss has had to intervene to make sure I'm trusting what I'm seeing and making the right call based on that. You would think that other staff would be honing in on, you know, that change in you because you said it went on for several months. So did anyone else, any of the therapists or any of the staff around you or any of the other teachers notice anything and try to talk to you about it? I had this one weird interaction with one of the teacher assistants where she, it seemed like she noticed the change, but didn't believe the reasoning for it. Okay. She like noticed that I was having, like when I was around him, I was more distressed, but she didn't believe when I explained why. And then later on, I learned that there were other staff members that were aware of it and didn't speak about it at the time. Well, I am very sorry that that happened to you. On the topic of staff, um, what was the general age of the staff around you? Um, and did they have degrees or seem knowledgeable about people with trauma or mental health difficulties? There's kind of different categories. So like the teachers themselves were all what I'd consider like normal teacher age, like late 20s, early to mid 30s. Um, and the teachers themselves did seem like they had degrees and like they were knowledgeable in scholastics, you know, in academic studies for sure. Um, however, I think that any of their 
therapy knowledge either came from personal experience or just having worked at the school for a long time. I don't think they were necessarily taught anything extra. Um, so the, the staff of the people in the actual like boarding school housing did seem a lot younger, like even early 20s to late 20s. A lot of them, there are a few older ones, at least in my experience, but um, they didn't seem knowledgeable in much of anything. Never mind therapeutic, like how to handle therapeutic situations. Um, I'm partially speaking from knowing um, what the the job hiring situation looked like for them. It was a sort of, it was an entry level job that didn't require any experience. So I'm speaking based on knowing that, unfortunately, knowing that made it more obvious in hindsight. Was there any training at all that went into the staffing? What was the training process or were they just kind of thrown in? It's hard to say. Um, I think it, it did seem like a lot of them were thrown in. To me, it almost seemed like it was treated more of a babysitting job than any type of therapeutic job. More like you have to watch these kids. They may do these things. This is what you do if they do these things. Okay. What was like the turnover rate? Did staff tend to stay for a long period of time or did it fluctuate? Um, So I didn't go through too many teachers during my time there. I think there were a couple that left. I think there was just one that left, but the housing staff did seem to cycle through kind of quickly. I wasn't in the housing for too, too long. Yeah, every so often. Since it was a school, um, I'm going to ask you what academic opportunities did you get? Did you get like a pre-college program? Did you have AP studies, dual enrollment, et cetera, anything like that? I don't think so. We did some IB courses, I believe. However, I'm not even sure if that was official or if they were just, it was just something that they were like trying. Um, Because from what I understand, that does have to be kind of official. Um, When you were in your final year, you were able to enroll in some college courses, like at a local college nearby, and they would provide transportation for you to take those classes. And I believe they were also, the classes might have also been covered by the school. I don't recall. But I think that was the extent of that. Do you feel like you got the same type of education you would have gotten at a public public Um, school? I do not. Ultimately, I think it's when you're in a a more typical class of, um, I guess I'll say, people without learning disabilities or mental health issues. If you are someone with a learning disability or mental health issues, you're the minority. You don't really dictate the way that the class goes, at least in terms of how normal American schooling works, unless there's a separate program. But when you're in a school that is only people with mental health issues and people with learning disabilities, it's very easy for the whole class to turn against the teacher Mm -hmm. in a way that entirely prevents learning. Um, So like, for example, our math class progressed very, very slowly because it's one of those types of subjects that needs to be built upon you know, the the lesson before it needs to be continuously built upon when you have tons of people coming in with all different types of previous education. Um, It's sort of hard to find, to get everyone to the same baseline and build on that. And then in addition to that, people who aren't participating in classwork or if they're out of the room because they're having a mental health issue or if the homework isn't being done, it was almost like one teacher in one class would be teaching like three different subjects 
the teacher would sit down with us and almost teach us our own little lesson specific to like what point we were at. Um, And do you feel like that was conducive to your learning? Do you think that the teachers could have done anything differently in order to help students learn? I think it's a tough situation because like even, even if the class had the, the interest of learning and had, had the want and need to learn, I think because we all came from such different backgrounds, especially with math, it would have been very difficult. The way that you were put into a grade, like a, a grade in high school, was also very strange there. Like you were placed in ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, sort of roughly based on the knowledge you had. So for me personally, I had repeated ninth grade. Here's a better way to put it. I had started ninth grade close to nine, uh, close to three times. And then when I was enrolled in Chamberlain, I came in at 11th grade, I believe, which led to me having taken biology one four times. Um, never physics, never, um, never any advanced math classes, um, never any advanced science classes, never any advanced history classes and I was just sort of placed and expected to to go from there. Okay, so that sounds like a complicated learning situation. Um and so you did not get AP classes or anything like that. Like they weren't offered. No. We're going to move on to the living arrangements. I know we touched on that a little bit. Um you said you were at you were living at the school for a period of time and then you were living at home, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so when you were living at the school, did you have contact with your family or guardians at home? Yeah. So I was allowed to, um, they had like a privilege system essentially. And I was pretty quickly allowed to go home every weekend to see my family at night. You were also able to make phone calls. Okay. Were you allowed your cell phones? Or same devices. Yeah, that was part of the privilege system. So once you got to a certain point without, um, without any like major issues, you were allowed cell phones or laptops and other such things. Okay. How did the living arrangements differ from your home living arrangement? Did you have roommates? Was there like a schedule? Did you guys all eat together? Yeah. So I think it was um, anywhere between like four to seven to a room. Um, I had lived in a couple of different rooms in the house. My first living situation, there were three bunk beds and a single bed. And then the next one, there was um, one bunk bed and a single bed. And that's kind of all that was in the bedrooms. I think we had dressers. I, I'm not even entirely sure. I think there were a couple of dressers for those who got them. And then the rest of us were uh, storing stuff under our bunks. And then for meals, yeah, we ate together in the morning. The house manager would make breakfast usually. Um, we ate lunch at school at the cafeteria, which was made by, um, it, was, it was like a proper school lunch. And then at night, dinner was made again by the house manager. And from what I understand, the, the meals you got were very much dictated on who your house manager was, like down to, to portions and type of nutrition. So there was no standardized, like... Um, everyone has to eat a certain amount of grains, certain amount of vegetables. Certainly not that I understand. I know like there was a boy's house that I think they ate 
like mostly junk food every night. And I, my house manager was a uh, Cambodian woman who would make us Cambodian food. So (laughs) hard to say. Um, Did you get the option to have an alternative meal if you didn't like what was offered? Yeah, there were alternatives for people with, um, or like vegetarians and such in our house. Would you recommend your boarding school to anyone else? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, For all the reasons you listed above, any other reasons? I think that from my time in that school, it didn't seem like any two people, you know, teacher, residential staff, residential staff, administrative staff, um, psychiatrist, like headmaster guy who I'm not sure of the title. It didn't seem like anyone was ever on the same page about anything. You'd, you'd hear whispers from staff like, oh, I mean, just like bad talking other members of staff or like other groups of staff because, you know, this thing didn't go the way they planned. This wasn't how they wanted. This was miscommunication here or there. It just seemed like in theory, the way that Chamberlain did their boarding school in theory should have worked. But in practice, it just absolutely seemed like it was falling apart. Yeah. As well as the school being underfunded enough that, you know, some some of those activity groups would get to spend hundreds of dollars going rock climbing and the other ones would have to drive around all day. So funds weren't fairly allocated. Yeah. Do you have any general thoughts on your experience? I think that there overall needs to be a better vetting process for both residential type staff and anyone who has to work in a therapeutic environment. Um, Because, you know, I've heard from a lot of staff as well that they had either come from a background of having mental health issues or being in this type of school themselves, which under most circumstances, there of course isn't any problem with that. You know, if you're in a situation where you want to see change, you become the change you want to see. And that's absolutely great. But then on the other hand, it leads to those situations where, you know, there are staff members getting into to altercations with students. Mm-hmm. There are staff members emotionally abusing students there are staff members taking advantage of emotionally vulnerable students and that's all the kind of stuff that needs to be taken more seriously if you could have changed one thing in your personal experience to make it a better one at Chamberlain um, what would it be I think I would have preferred the academic classrooms to be more broken up into people who desired to learn and those who didn't as opposed to the supposed academic um, level that kids were, because I think the the whole academic level of the kids wouldn't have held back those who wanted to learn, regardless of if they were in over their head or in under their head even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on a more personal note, I wish I dealt with, you know, I, I went to someone about what was happening with me. Yeah. Was that situation ever resolved? It was not ever resolved. The teacher in question um, ended up moving schools and is, to my knowledge, he had been doing certain things like that before I was ever brought into the school. And I I don't doubt that he's doing it wherever else he chooses to go as well. I had brought it up eventually after the fact, after he had left. Mm -hmm. And even though his sister was part of the administrative team, I was met with only positives about it which was something I was afraid of not receiving. Like affirmations to your experience or positives towards the teacher? Like positive towards my experience. Okay. Like they they took me very seriously. They believed my accusations. You know, they didn't require me to shove proof down their throats, even though I have it. 
if you could change one thing about boarding schools as a whole, like in America, um, what would it be? I think the same thing, the making sure you're you're vetting people properly when they're coming into work in those delicate situations. Um, I don't think the opportunity for the first level job should be taken away from anybody by any means, but I think that people who choose to work, you know, working in these types of, of environments seems difficult and they should be given the best chance to succeed possible. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. I think that would benefit everyone involved. So if the staff were treated better and hired based on their professional experience, it would create a more wholesome, helpful experience for everyone involved. Or just given better, more thorough training as well. Okay. Um, Do you have any last thoughts or anything else you want to share with this study? Um, I do not think so. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, no problem. Thank you for joining. I really appreciate your feedback and insight. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you.